0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Monday Night, Use It or Lose It. What a massive weekend we've got ahead. It is, of course, Rugby World Cup final time. I cannot wait for Saturday. I've just been uh, sitting waiting by the water polo pool for my daughter to finish and chatting with guys on Twitter. Lots of debate about who should be the big favourites for this game, who's going to win the game. I can tell you there's plenty of support out there for the boxers. Someone who's got their money on England from the start of the tournament. I've had to defend my position quite a bit. Looking really forward to analysing both semi-finals and also, of course, talking about the final with the panel tonight. So without further ado, let's introduce the panel. I'm going to start with the man. He's been up in the Kruger Park uh, Having a little bit of a holiday for a while, so he's missed a few shows, but no doubt he's been able to watch a bit of TV. It's Couch Critic, kind of Couch, welcome
1: to the show. Good to have you on board. How's it, Brad? Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to be back. It was, a, it was a good break, but luckily I didn't, didn't miss uh, much in terms of watching. So it's, it's uh, all, all guns blazing for the final. It certainly is. We're going to be
0: in for a very exciting final just to welcome the guys in the live chat. We've already got quite a few of you putting comments up. I'll put them up as the show goes on. But let's go down to the Cape where we've got a Judge Rugby. He uh certainly been enjoying the, the game. He was over in England in the early parts of the World Cup, but he's joined us for the last couple of episodes. Judge, good to have you back on the show. What a cracking weekend of semi-finals we had.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks again for having me. It's uh, incredible rugby. Like, uh, just New Zealand being put to bed how they were is, is something we could probably talk about on its own so yes yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a good one plus obviously looking ahead to the big final
0: yeah looking very forward to that and uh, Tyler uh, Masutu77 on Twitter just to get his Twitter address right he's been hell of a active on Twitter I've really been enjoying some of your tweets <laughs> analyzing the game good to have you back on the show and uh, looking forward to the final no doubt
3: yeah, it's good to be on the show, and it's good to see how the World Cup is shaking up. Um having that north-south final, um, <clears throat> as it was discussed earlier in the tournament. So it's going to be good to see how, we, how it plays out on, on Saturday.
0: Yeah, certainly looking forward to it, and uh, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how it pans out. But let's start off, guys by having a look at the uh, at the semifinals that took place. And I think we had two very contrasting semi-finals on the weekend. I mean, the England-New Zealand game was sort of, well, it was dominated by England, but it was action all the way through. The Wales-South Africa game, we'll talk about a bit later, was very much, I think, as most of us expected it to be, very much a kicking contest, much more strategic, almost like a game of chess there between the sides. But Tyler, I'm going to start with you. That, that, that England performance against All Blacks, can you ever recall seeing a side dominate the All Blacks like that?
3: Um, I think not as comprehensively as England did on Saturday. I think, I mean, we've seen Ireland, we've seen Australia, we've seen the Lions, we've seen the Springboks all win against New Zealand the last four years. But I think what England were able to do was to shut down any sort of threat on all sorts of phases. And, I mean, when we won against New Zealand last year in Wellington, New Zealand was still able to get into the 22 um, even with the Lions match, there were still a few sort of lucky breaks that the Lions were able to stop, and to an extent with the Irish game. But um, with England on Saturday, they were able to sort of shut them down from well from the haka. It seemed like I think the formation worked pretty well, and maybe that even caught New Zealand off guard. But then from their first minute, they got that very quick try, and England is very good on, on 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 starting games sort of on on the front foot, and then from there they were just. What they did well was just pin New Zealand in their 22, make them have to attack from deep. And I mean, yes, New Zealand has the best runners, or well, strike runners in world rugby probably, but you know, if you have to start from your 22 and all of your attacks, you aren't going to get t- too successful with that. So England executed a perfect game plan actually from yesterday and was as like, a masterclass and, Jones and the team just deserve all the credit for that.
0: He certainly is a shrewd coach. Let's go on to Judge. Now, Judge, one of the things I'm interested in your opinions of the game, but also just one of the things I felt watching that game was England never really looked threatened out wide. There was the one time where Reece sort of got around and then the TMO had a look at the tackle there. I think it was Slade coming in and tackling. But you never got the feeling. You, you got the feeling the All Blacks were trying to get it out wide, but England just never looked in trouble. They always seemed to close it down. It was certainly one of the best defensive efforts I've ever seen. But I think Eddie Jones correctly picked up that you can't just defend against New Zealand; you've got to attack as well. And, and for me, what impressed was the 80-minute performance by the English.
2: Yeah, they. Um, it, it's weird. Like you normally, you normally get an inkling of, of teams and, and how they're looking leading into a World Cup. It's very seldom that a team actually only starts playing in the World Cup and that's pretty much what, uh, what what's happened with England like none of us no team has faced this England side yet it's not any of the guys of the Six Nations this year or anything they're completely different uh, Eddie Jones has hitting everyone away really nicely and, and and his game plans and stuff so I thought they were incredible I think they were properly up for it I think the the scariest part about England is they believe and uh and you know with a side that is that good uh, dominant up front so, such cool calm heads in very key positions and if they believe, um, it's going to be very difficult to beat them. I think, um, I, thought, I thought New Zealand were just completely taken away from the game. Like, I thought they were schooled. And you don't ever, you don't ever get to say that. Like, not in our, in our lifetime, you know. And uh, they really got put to bed. And, you know, we're mentioning off-air now. Like, New Zealand were one poor line-out away from being nilled in a, in a semi-final of a World Cup. Like, that, that was a reality. And, and that's what's scary. Um, and then just quickly, I think I will say one thing. I do feel that um, the, that New Zealand took uh, Scott Barrett off a little early. They took him off just at the start of the second half. I really thought that that, that might have been, um, well, I really thought that, that was an error, especially at the time. I thought that that wouldn't be the right call, um, but uh, yeah, I think they missed him in the second half, but England were on another planet.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Judge. Well, to me, it almost struck me as 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 Hansen saying he would almost made a mistake with his selection up front by the fact that he made that change so so soon. And yet, I didn't think Barrett was bad. In fact, there was one point where Barrett closed down. I think it was Johnny May, the English winger. I was I was actually pretty impressed with him. And I also thought that there might have been a bit of a knee jerk reaction and 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 perhaps perhaps moving too soon on that one. Um, yeah, I guess I guess at the point Hansen things weren't going his way, and he just had to he had to sort of. Uh, do something he felt to to change the tide of the game the game, but it certainly didn't work. And and Kouch, let's move on to you on this game. You uh you managed to watch the game in full. I know you were out in the bush or on your way back at this stage?
1: Yeah Brent, I actually uh, just watched it as a as a rerun, but the, the full game. But um I must say I was I was chased by an angry elephant bull for like a kilometer and I saw a, a leopard chowing a, a impala in a tree and I spent an hour at a hyena. Lay with a, a cab lying under the car, so I couldn't couldn't move. But nothing out of that was more impressive than than the English. Uh, it was it was incredible. They just completely completely shut uh, shut them out. So I mean that was a impressive performance. And as the guy said, you know we've seen the All Blacks being beaten by the box, uh, the Aussies and and Ireland, but they've never been absolutely dominated like that. That was uh, incredible. Like you said said before the show, you were really never. Concerned or, or felt like the All Blacks could, could win it. They were just not not in the game. And you know we've physically taken taken them, their approach, and their skills, and in, in general they just uh, they just took them down completely. So it was it was amazing.
0: Excellent. Just welcome to all the guys in the live chat. I'm putting some of the comments up on screen. The Only Nape Nape. The pressure is all on England as they are the favourites. Um, Just wanted to have a look uh, at a couple of other comments. There was one that was directed to Judge there, and I'll bring you back there, Judge. Joe Lyons saying uh, the ABs had so many handling errors, missed kicks, and bad set play. They were not mentally there. Now, it's an interesting point he makes there because if you watch that All Blacks performance and you just look at the All Blacks, it's tempting to say they weren't there. They didn't rock up at the game. But there's another angle to that is that England didn't let them arrive at the game. They, they, they dominated them from the start and they just pushed them down. And that's my view. I, I, you know, I've always taken a view that this perhaps isn't the, one of the great All Blacks sides. And for me, England, Eddie Jones had his plan and they stuck to it for the 80 minutes. Which, which side of the line would you be falling on there?
2: I 100% agree with you. I think uh, the All Blacks were always going to be up for, for a big game and, and, and properly into it. But uh, England didn't give them anything. They didn't let them get a sniff in anyway. And, uh, and England just kept on the pressure like even, even when the All Blacks scored you generally feel that they're going to kick on from there but it just didn't look like it was going to happen it was quite it was very strange and it's definitely I don't think that this is going to become a norm in terms of how All Blacks are going to be dominated I think this was once often they one thing I will take my head of the Aussies and and the Kiwis they're very very good at turning things around once uh, once, they, once they once they come like once they come undone they, they sort it out but the another thing I was thinking of is the All Blacks haven't put through two solid performances in a row this whole year. So not even during the rugby champs, maybe even a bit last year, they didn't really put through two dominant performances in a row. So it's quite interesting. There's definitely something, a couple of cracks over there, and they're going to obviously shake it up now with with Hansen, uh, um, with the new new coach and stuff coming in. So I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to to say that we can get the better of them continuously, you know.
0: So my view, Tyler, to bring you in is that the Northern Hemisphere is on the up now. I was very disappointed with Ireland last week. They clearly looked like they peaked a year or so before the World Cup. But I just get the feeling with Eddie Jones, if you look at England, they were playing brilliant rugby two years ago. Then they sort of underwent a bit of a dip. They, they haven't won the, the Six Nations for a couple of years. And he sort of brought bought the guys to a boil at, at just the right time. But I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I look at even the under 20 results of recent years on that, this could be the start of a bit of, I don't want to say domination, because you're never going to take the All Blacks out the game totally. But getting to the point where we might actually see a, a Northern Hemisphere side start, start favourites in, 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 in 2023.
3: Yeah. I think, look, it's, I mean, the All Blacks did something just unprecedented in dominating world rugby for the past decade. Literally since we beat them in the Tri-Nations in 2009, up until probably, let's say, the Lions series in 2017, they were far ahead the best team in the world. And basically from that line series, the whole world has been sort of just making up ground. And I think we have a lot to thank Warren Gatlin for showing us what the blueprint is in terms of stopping um, New Zealand and sort of that pressure and dominating it physically. And then all the other teams sort of coming sort of closer to them, while also maybe players like Reid and players like Whitelock maybe are sort of at the sort of die of their careers. And you know, in hindsight, that's a great thing, but maybe Sam Whitelock and Kieran Reed should have been maybe slowly started to be phased out in terms of their keenness in the, in the in the roles that they had. And it's a difficult thing. I mean, obviously, you don't want to throw away that 100 uh, caps experience from, from both of them and from other players as well. And I don't think they played bad, you know, it's just that thing of like, when do you sort of pull the trigger on replacing the new players and getting the new sort of squad in? So I think that's I mean, that is h- hindsight. Um, hindsight is always 20-20. But full credit to England and full credit to sort of the w- rest of the world for catching up to the standard that the all set and for, for setting up the plan. I, like you, Brent, I thought Ireland was going to be the one to do it because they seemed to have the game plan set for that. Then they didn't show up. And then yesterday, England, or oh, on Saturday, England just played amazingly. And think about it. They also had 20 points that they missed from two disallowed tries, a miss-drop goal and a miss penalty from Elliot Daly. So this really could have been 37-0 or 39-0 or whatever. And, I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone would have ever predicted that. But England just executed their game perfectly. They dominated them in all the sort of the, the aspects of the game. And, you know, you know, Steve Hansen was right in just saying, look, the better side won in the day. They have nothing to complain about. So it will be interesting to see what they do sort of in the next phase. And, England also has a very, very young team, a lot of I don't think every everyone in that team, except for maybe Mahler and Dan Coles should probably be back for 2023. So it's set up for England and we'll talk about South Africa later, but I think it's also set up for South Africa for them to maybe even return as the finalists in 2023. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit there.
0: Yeah, we, certainly. I mean, there's even France as well have got a very strong junior side, and that English junior side's strong. But, sorry, at one point there, both Couch and myself were having a little bit of a chuckle there. It was a bit of a private private joke because you mentioned about Kieran Reed, Now, I've been saying for quite a while, I thought Reed was a bit past it. And in the quarterfinals, oh, Couch uh, made up made a comment in one of our WhatsApp groups, sort of, you know, like Kieran Reed doesn't exactly look past it. And of course, I went and searched for that, found it after this New Zealand game and brought it up there. And, and Couch, look, he, he didn't have a bad tournament, but... Uh, Perhaps Hanson Hansen did get
1: his selections a bit wrong. Print on, on him particularly. I think it's a it's a tough one because he was short loose forwards in in general. So there wasn't a lot. Obviously, you could have played a uh, Audi Audi at eight, but I, I'm actually of the opposite opinion. I think he came in light on on experience there. If you look at that backline, you know it's it's easy saying that in hindsight, but he's trying to win a World Cup with a with a fly off who didn't have 20 test caps behind him playing the best. Far off in the world uh, from the previous year at fullback, his, his wingers both had less than 20 test, ca- uh, 10 test caps. Uh, Goodyear starting at outside centre, at less than 15. I mean, I don't think that's ever been done. Trying to win a World Cup with as uh, little experience as that in in the backs, and I think it kind of showed mm-hmm. there they were a bit uh, uh, caught caught uh, flat in in that uh, crucial game. And even some of the forwards, you know, it, it wasn't. It, we've been saying it for, for probably more than more than a season there. The the all black dominance up front wasn't as as big it were as, as it usually is. And even even a Brady Retallic, you know, he wasn't up to his usual standard after coming back from that injury and, and really making that impact. And and to go back to that very first point, I actually think Scott Barrett was pretty decent and, and making a, a, a bit of a physical um presence felt then and, and it was a strange decision to um Pull him out because I think that's the kind of thing that I've always been saying. The All Blacks lack there is that uh, big, big ball yeah. carrying um, our our six and and, and enforcers. So uh, to me, there was just a little bit of a, a, a chink in the armor in terms of in terms of their makeup this year. But it will be interesting to see what a new coach does with them going forward. I, I don't see them dropping out com- completely. You know, you can just look at uh, Mitre 10 and there's some top quality there. But it's just about blending that with the right kind of experience and and obviously some good. Uh, Physical specimens, I suppose.
0: Right, I want to go back to Judge now. <laughs> I want to ask his opinion. Eddie Jones. A judge, I don't know. I know you're not on Twitter at the moment, but I don't know if you still follow it. And that. a lot of Eddie Jones, some of his chirping, and I mean, him and Hansen were, it was all pretty good natured stuff before the start. But I think it was Gatlin kind of saying, hinting that, you know, maybe England have played their final a week before, as it tends to happen. And then Eddie Jones says, Send my best wishes to Gatlin and sort of best of luck for the bronze medal match type of thing. I just love Eddie Jones' style, but I think he might be one of those guys you either love him or you hate him.
2: Yeah, I, I I like the banter. I saw a lot of it today and on the weekend. And to be fair, the coaches have been uh, have been dishing it out to fair amounts. Um, you know, if you look at like Chaker Hansen to a certain degree, but they've never really been under too much pressure b- besides this weekend. But Chaker and uh, and and. Um, and Eddie Jones, they masters at taking the pressure off their team. They'll go and say and do whatever they need to. Oaks don't talk about the team. They talk about the clown coach and blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. They don't they like really don't give a flying shit about it. So like I think it's great. I think the banter's good. I uh, I don't think I don't think Eddie Jones is arrogant. I think he's on top of his game, he knows what he's doing, he's confident in his team. Like, you know, it all depends on how you want to look at it. You know, so I think I think it's going to be good. There's going to be some good banter. I think if you're looking at, uh, I mean, Rassie, John Mitchell, Eddie Jones, like in terms of rugby brains, they are incredible. And this week we are in for a hell of a lot of fun pre-kickoff and during the game.
0: Excellent, well, guys. Have you got anything more to add on uh, England? We can certainly chat about that as we as we chat about the final. But let's move on to the second semi-final now. And uh, Katch, I'm going to pop back up and start with you on this one. It was uh, Wales against South Africa, very much the kicking fest that most of us expected. I did have the feeling, Couch, and I was ultimately disappointed with the results. Sprint box by three. I thought they would win by eight or more, as you know. I backed them on the handicap there. I I thought there were opportunities there that they could put a Welsh team away. And and in my view, maybe I'm underestimating the Welsh, but I really felt they were hanging on. I thought France were very unlucky not to beat them. And at the end of the day, they had a tremendous amount of injuries, even in the game itself. They were there for the taking, and I I just felt the box weren't able to really put the put the hammer down and, and take advantage of that. But I guess a win is a win.
1: Yeah, Brent, uh, just just quickly on the handicap there, I, I, I saw you guys were pretty bullish and I didn't quite understand it, to be honest. I, I haven't seen this Bok team really put anyone away and uh, it's it's not in the nature, it's not the style Russi plays to just uh, put put the boot in, or, or sorry, it is to put the boot in, but you know what I mean, to, to to go for the kill. It's it's. I was expecting this, I was expecting a kicking game, I was expecting it to be tight and as uh, Rasi's already said, it's going to be exactly the same in, in the final. So there was nothing surprising me there. But, you know, if we take out the emotion of I've got my jersey on and I'm chuffed the boxer there and it's fantastic and uh, we'll, we'll get to the final later. You know, it's a once-off, anything can happen. But Burger, who, by the way, is probably the best and the super has ever employed... Um, made a decent comment there, and, and he said it's great that the box are there, but honestly, England are the better team. They've got an attacking structure with, which we don't have, and that's, that's so true. You know? we, we pretty much play a villi and, and hope he can do something on attack, and, and Damien Dalene bashes up, and then we rely on solid defence and really playing a good forward game and, and decent tactical kicking. So, you know, that's that's just what we're going to do. We're going to set our stall, set the camp, and, and hope they make a mistake. We you know, finals and semifinals are about the team that makes the least amount of of errors, and and we're just going to try and make less errors. But to me, you know, the box have only beaten Japan before that game. That's that's the only game they've beaten that that matters. And and to me, Japan went that tough. So, you know, they haven't really knocked anyone over except Wales at this stage, where England have knocked over Argentina, Australia, and New Zealand. So it's you know you can't compare the two. It's 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 all England. England should be the favorites, and. I'm not saying we can't win but there's there's no doubt about it to me the box weren't impressive and they haven't impressed me thus far we've got players out of form but we said this before the tournament you know they've got their restrictions and and things that they can do and things that they can't do and what they can do they do well and we we just got to hope that that's going to be enough
0: right Tyler. let's go on to you then Uh, now uh, uh, interesting point for me and i I see a lot of it coming out in the live chat at south africa unable to take advantage of the attacking opportunities almost felt that both teams only really threw caution to the wind twice in that match i mean there was obviously a little bit more the south africa try which ultimately uh damien scored i mean we, we had a penalty advantage so you'd argue were we really throwing caution to the wind i mean we we knew we'd come back for the for the penalty and, and, and suddenly we ran the ball and we looked good and we scored and then if you look at wales they had they, they, they chose that scrum at a time when they needed to get a try to to get back into the game uh they, if anything they'd been bossed in the scrums It looked like a pretty risky call and then they, they sort of went wide. And it was at the time when they scored that try, I thought, hell, that was too easy. I mean, they really made that look easy. And you, you actually found yourself thinking at the end of the game, Wales missed a trick as well. They, they, they actually should have probably tried to play a more expansive game. Did you also have that feeling uh, that, that both sides could have done a bit more
3: in the game? Yeah, look, I think we all, like Kurt was saying, we all know how um, both coaches would have approached the game sort of initially, and they set it up in the first 14 minutes um try to basically it was one of those you no know, you have the ball no you have the ball type of games and try to make the other team sort of play from deep and force them under pressure with your defense and you know when both teams are doing that you know no one really does take the initiative and then it does come up with like set piece um penalties or who's working in the breakdown and all that sort of stuff so that was expected i think what surprised me about and I mean, look, the box, I think, were just let down sometimes by just some basic handling and kicking errors. Like, kicks went a bit too far sometimes. We had, like, there were some good sort of attacking opportunities, and, you know, there's some drop balls and some passes and all that sort of stuff. And the one time we did sort of string some phases together, we scored, and it was relatively easy. Um, Pollard had that run um, through the middle, and then Dialendi just stood up damn big on and got the score. What, what's surprising about Wales, and I made the point early in the morning, like earlier today on Twitter, is that I was so shocked that they went for this. Um, they tried to sort of go and do the pick and goes and do the one off runners just close to the ruck and try to sort of take on the Springboks um, around the rucks and, and sort of go up against their forwards. I thought that was the last thing you want to do against the Springboks side. I don't think that's the thing you should do. You shouldn't take on sort of this brute of a pack sort of, like on hand-to-hand combat, you need to sort of at least take at least one sort of pass wider. You need to take it at least sort of maybe play around your fly-off. You need to take it away from the likes of Kitzoff and, Malhe- and ugh, not Malhobe, um, Marks and Francho Lowe from being able to sort of pilfer and slow the ball down. So what happened was Wales would just do the one-off They get hit back sort of a meter back and all of our sort of better sort of pilferers, which are on in the second half, would get on the ball and slow the ball down. So I just, I found that very strange because they had a lot of success early on from sort of Jonathan Davies sort of um, manipulating Spoon Gorsi a little bit because Gorsi would sort of shoot up and Davies would either use the pass or a kick to just sort of get behind him. So I thought at least they would sort of continue that phase. So I thought Wales should have actually played a little bit wide and sort have not necessarily sort of gone to skelter but at the very least play off 10 and just get it a bit wider because you don't want sort of to go to that sort of that spider web of springbok over 100 kilogram sort of players just waiting for you to hit you back back hit you back towards cardiff and i just found the tactic there from gatlin a bit yeah i don't i don't think that was the best tactic and i think ultimately Wales should look at this and say that they actually because Africa wasn't putting the game away Wales should have actually just won that game and they sort of lost a good opportunity to get to the final
0: Excellent. Yeah, let's go to uh, Will. We're going to come back to Couch. I know he's got another point to make, but Judge, let's get your opinion on on this game. Then. Um did it turn out pretty much the way you expected, uh, but disappointed in both teams.
2: I, I like you thought that we should have maybe taken it by by fifteen, some fifteen more, um, or fifteen plus. And I just every time I looked up, like I felt very comfortable while watching the game. I really thought that we were on top of things. I thought that we were dominating. But then whenever I looked at the score, it's like we were not far ahead where we should have been, I, I felt. I think, you know, got to understand, like you can say what we want about them being professional players and everything. It's still nerves. Like, it's a semi-final of a World Cup. If we, two years ago, two and a half years ago, just before Rassie took over, if you said South Africa would, would play in a World Cup semi-final, let alone a World Cup final... We've said done. We'll take it. So, like, I think there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of uncharted territory. I think for both sides, the semi-final of the World Cup with the potential of playing in the final was uncharted territory, and I think that's what affected both uh, both the teams. I thought I we made the same. The usual suspects made the errors. Um, I I thought you know we like we looking very very good in like in 90% of our space, and I just think that, you know, uh, Faf had a really good game on Saturday. He did make errors, though, but he had a, he had a much better game. And like, Faf didn't pitch up because, to be fair, it's maybe the first or maybe second game in the World Cup that he's legit pitched up. If he didn't, we would have lost on Saturday. And that's how important Is is. We're getting to that point now where we can't afford for Faf, Pollard and Villy not to perform. And we need everyone else to continue performing because hardly any of our players have put a foot, uh, put a foot wrong. Like our guys have been doing... Really, really well. Barring the guys that we, you know, we've been keeping an eye on, I think, I think Fuff, like is kick. We know he's going to kick. I don't have a problem with the kicking. I have a problem with the quality of the kicking, and I, and that's so key when we've got the, the best chasers in the game, you know. So, yeah, I thought we it was tight. It was a lot tighter than I than I expected. Um, I think Wales are two injuries uh, too far down the line. They've been picking up injuries consistently over the last year, and uh, they just don't have the depth. Uh, like the truth of fact of the matter is they just don't have have the depth you know they're missing such key players they've lost two of their eighth men they've lost their fly half the other fly uh, Dan Biggers heads I'm not sure his head's 100% right after taking all those knocks losing their full back like there's a hell of a lot of injuries um, so so yeah but we threw we're in the final and hey man looking forward to it.
0: Excellent. Kach, you wanted to say a bit more on the game. Before you do that, just to welcome all the guys on the live chat. We've got a lot of new names there. I haven't seen the name Lonely the Brave. Lonely are the Brave. And also on Facebook, a good few watching. Uh, Tammy and Bruce have commented on the Facebook page. as well. It is new that we are streaming. This is only about our third show that we're streaming to Facebook and to YouTube simultaneously. So uh, good to have you all along with us. Kach, any final comments on the, on the, the semi-final with Wales?
1: Brent, I'm sure we're going to talk a, a lot more on, on the box and, and, and both England for the final, but just quickly, I saw on, on Twitter one of the regular guests on here as well, Brendan Shields, uh, uh, initiated something there which actually caused quite some um, feedback, so it was, it was quite nice. It was he, he talked about um, the box playing too conservatively and, and having to change their style if they want to you know, try and lure youngsters back to the game and, and, and things like that. And, you know, it's a rhetoric that we've heard heard quite a lot, and I'd actually like to ask you three, um, in terms of your comments, whether you know, is it is it the case of Rasi being too conservative, and and even if we, you know, come close in in the final, it's it's not really going to uh, mean much. Maybe if we win, it'll mean enough to to try and lure people, but it's it's not going to be that that important because we didn't play a a decent style of rugby that's that's almost entertaining to watch, or or do you guys think? Um, it, it doesn't matter. You know, if you if you get the cup, you get the cup, and, and that's great for the country. Uh, I don't know, Brent, maybe you can start off and I can ask you a question this time. Yeah, well, I'll answer
0: that question. I, I mean, at the end of the day, if South Africa win the cup, if they win the cup and they win it all on penalties and they kick the living daylights out of that ball and they win the cup, everything is going to be fine. And I think we could do that against Wales. As you said, Couch, it was expected against Wales. I did think that we would do it well enough that we would beat Wales a little bit more comfortably than we did. So I think in that sense, I think the worry is, and Chris Sturdy raised it on the Good for the Game forum as well, I think the worry is, can you get away with just being so one-dimensional against a side like England? Because they've clearly got more to offer. So my view is it's too late for – I mean, I think Russ is going to make – I mean, he's a shrewd coach. He's going to come up with something a little bit new for the final. Eddie Jones is going to probably have thought about that, and he's going to come up with a lot of stuff. But but ultimately, I can't see us changing our game plan too much. I think that's what we've – built our game around. And I think we've got limitations in certain areas that prevent us playing from a really attacking game at the moment. So that's my view. At the end of the day, I, I think the point, and I, I saw that thread because I see a, a rugby college, uh, uh, Brendan Shields, he's taking quite a lot of abuse from guys saying he's an ex, you know, used to live in South Africa and saying he's having a go at South Africa. And I think he's he's taking a harsh abuse, if I can call it that, because I think he's making some jolly good points there on, on, on Twitter. But I think ultimately, yes, we'd like South Africa to play more attractive rugby. But you know what? When you come down to a World Cup final, even the most... I mean, look at New Zealand. They play brilliant, attractive rugby. Yes, they kick a lot in that, but they're the most attacking team in the world. And and like uh, a Judge said, I mean, they got a they, they got a try from a sort of a line-out error, and, and that was it. And that's what playoff rugby comes down to. But I'll let Tyler uh, give his opinion on that as well.
3: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you win, you win, and you take all the spoils for the win as well. So I think... It's one of those things that um, most of the um, World Cup winning teams that I can think of from memory are all basically sort of defense first, dominate up front, have strong loose forwards type of teams. And maybe except for the 2015 World Cup team, the, the New Zealand team, to an extent, then that's a bit more sort of um, it comprom- um, getting your backs in. But that's because they had a an all-time fly-off in Dan Carter. So at the end of the day, I think the, what, and I do think he will sort of maybe try to go for a fast start and try to sort of get a few points early. So that I think is also on the table. But I think what um, Brendan was saying, I think is also just a long-term thing that maybe be uh, a game plan for this week. So long-term, we do need to look at why, not even just the game plan, I think it's just the execution from the backline players most of the time. There's too many drop balls and just execution of skills that you expect a lot better from um, professional players. Like Pollard has had at least two drops, um, drop balls in every match. Leroux, we don't even want to start talking about him. And it's just been like all these little sort of drops in like just basic skills at the wrong time. And that's what New Zealand has used sort of as their basis of just being good with the basic skills of catch and pass, of offloading. And that's how they sort of capitalize on it. So, yeah, I think that's sort of a future conversation. And hopefully whoever the new new coach is, is just working on those basics. But, you know, tomorrow, on Saturday, all we need is just if Bolo just takes three drop goals like Yanni Dabir, then, you know, that's fine.
0: Excellent, yeah, I mean, if, uh, that, that's all you need. And a lot of the guys, I was bringing up some of the live comments here, most guys are saying if you win ugly, it, it really doesn't matter. I want to bring Judge in on this one, but I also just want to quote something else I saw on Twitter. T- Twitter. I don't know if it was today or on the weekend. Uwem uh, Rugby, who I think Judge also knows quite well from the Twitter I mean, he always comes with some very interesting analysis on the game. And he was saying, think of South Africa sort of as a fighter that's kind of underprepared almost for the fight, if I, if I remember correctly. And he was basically saying, in that situation, you go to the basics and you do what you do well. And what South Africa can do well is they can muscle up out front and they can defend and they can they can kick and chase and all the rest. And effectively what he's saying, and I think LB mentions it here as well, where he says two years is not really maybe long enough to really get your attacking patterns going. I think some very good 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 points there by, by Worm Rugby as well there, Judge.
2: A hundred percent. And, you know… If, if you look at it, it's two years that Rossi's been in charge, where he said it would take three years to sort out his defensive pattern. So he hasn't even gone to looking at anything else. But if you look at it, to be quite honest, it's since 2015, it's four years ago that we actually, um, like, we we were down in the, in the dumps. So we've had a lot of things that we needed to change. The fact that we are where we are is... Like, the truth is, if if anyone's if anyone said that we were going to be in the World Cup final and, and, and potentially win the World Cup a couple of years ago, like, they would have been laughed off, you know? So, like, I don't think we're that boring. I, I really don't. I think we execute what we need to do badly. And I, that comes with, like, what Tyler spoke about. Like, just there's just just pure execution. But, I mean, look at how many tries our outside backs have scored. We've scored plenty tries this tournament. Um, you know, that doesn't come from a boring side. I think... Where we've got to work a little bit, we've got to muscle up a little bit more. I think England are gonna be attacking that that attacking their big runners off outside the 10 and 12 channel, like their little tip-ums. They love doing that. They've got multiple runners and, and offload, so they gain the advantage line. And when they when they get the advantage line, they strike really hard and, and well, they execute to perfection. So, you know, that's that that's the thing. I I don't see us changing the game plan too much. I don't think it'll be worth our while to change a game plan too much. I really think a, the guys are still trying to get used to the game plan and still need to execute it better because if we execute our game plan well, if we execute our kicks well, that they are not necessarily contestable, but that we can actually get up and make that tackle and stop the passes and the runs, then we drive them back 20, 30 meters. It's when the kick goes 15 meters too far that they can fling in two passes and kick for another corner, then it's a waste of a kick for me. So um, like that's what we need to focus on now. And I think... I think we might. We. I don't think there's going to be too many, too much rejigging with personnel. Uh, I think we're pretty much set with the with the with the side. I, you know, I, I, it'll be a bit risky, but I think we're going to have much of the same. I don't see why we, we need to change it. We haven't perfected what we're doing as it as it is yet, and um, and we just need to make sure we get up in their faces.
0: That's it. well. It all set us up now for the talk. Moving on to the the final, which is going to be Inter- absolute.
1: Yes, Brent. Can, can I just uh, finish off from from my side and and why I just uh, introduce it? I actually think he, he had a he had a decent point. I mean, we would like to see a bit a bit more of a of a total total game there. So I'm I'm with Brendan going going forward. Uh, we we'd obviously all love to see. I, I disagree slightly with uh, Sean and the guys. I don't think our attacking our attacking setup is is nearly good enough. I don't think it's just a, a execution thing. I think there's still uh, lots of things that need to be built in there. We need to have dummy runners. We need to have options. We, you know, there's a lot of things. But as Alby said, and and I said before the World Cup as well, that you know, Rasi had limited time, and he decided to go for defense, and he decided to go for a strong spine, and and that's what he stuck with, and that's what we get to in, in the final conversation around guys like Billy and Faf as well. And uh, yeah, obviously, no one, nothing's going to change for this Sunday. I agree with you, though, Brent, um, and Swayce Sway said it as well. He said, uh, "Don't don't be surprised if Rasi pulls a." a trick like Faf dummying a kick and going wide quite quickly and, and trying to catch England with a quick try like like that. So uh, we could see something like that, but they definitely won't change in a week's time, personnel or, or strategy. But I do agree that uh, going forward, it would be nice to see the box try and, and, and develop their game a little bit to do something that's a little bit more total. And I think that's um, almost where, where England are starting to get themselves. So it, I think, I think as, as you said, he took a little bit of unnecessary flack and I think it is something to strive to.
0: Yeah, certainly. Could we look a couple of questions? We will talk about the the likelihood of a high or low scoring game now. A question relating around the bookies line of thirty six and a half points. Just a reminder to anybody watching we do do a betting focus show on Thursday nights. That's at nine o'clock. The handicap rugby chat that matters, where we put our money where our mouths is. And certainly last week was very entertaining. I managed to make myself a few rand off Oracle Rugby, who was pretty bullish on New Zealand hammering England in the, in that quarter final. So we will touch on that though. But let's move on. Uh, let's move on to the final and um let's start tyler with, with with yourself on this one and let's start perhaps with england eddie jones what's he gonna have up his sleeve for us i mean for example one of the big things if you look at eddie the quarterfinals um he he left ford on the bench and he started uh, you know farrell at 10 and then he comes out for new zealand and he, he brings ford in He's, he, i mean ford i thought played played superbly as well what's he gonna do for us what, what would you do if you were eddie
3: um, I think I'd go with basically the same team. Um, I think Eddie Jones' plan is have all of his sort of ball players sp- start the game. And then his finishers are sort of the more tight-set piece type of um, players, especially in, in the forwards. So where we sort of bring on Kitzel and Marks and all those sort of like impact players, they start with the impact players. So they have Winnie they have Sinclair, they have Courtney in. And I think what their sort of mandate is is to smash the opposition back, is to make big runs, is to sort of cause havoc for them, and then at the end bring on the finishers. And the weakness though for England is if they start with Mark, with Um Vunipola and with Um Sinclair, is I do think they're not as good scrummers as the two props on the bench are. I do think that they were under pressure against Australia. I think that that's something that. Both Beast and Malabar can actually have a bit of fun with. I think that's one place that South Africa can really focus on to put some pressure on them in the scrums and to put some pressure on Itogie in the lineouts as well because he's not an experienced lineout caller. So contest from two four, six, just get all the, the your jumpers up and just put them under sort of strict, really hard pressure. So I'm expecting sort of the same sort of team. I personally might sort of switch the roles and start with the, the tighter forwards first. I think starting with Coles and starting with Marlon, getting that sort of basis for your scrum right, and then starting with George Cruz instead of um, Courtney Laws, I would personally prefer to do that. But I think I see what Eddie Jones is trying to do in terms of just basically just smashing in the first 20 minutes and trying to get, you know, y- your team sort of t- 5, 10, 15 points back um, behind then in terms of the backline i think george ford does start i think george ford's um weaknesses in defence are a bit overstated i um, there was a stat that was going around this week saying that he's actually the fly off with the highest tackle completion rate in the world right now so i do, and I, he's he's a rugby league boy his father was a big rugby league player so i think you know it's not necessarily that he misses that many tackles or more tackles than the average fly off. i just think that because he's a small fly-off, it's sort of made more of a, a bigger thing when he misses a, uh, misses a tackle than other fly do. So I, I don't think he's that weak, but I do think, I mean, dialendi that's somewhere that he can target. Um, I think, though, the benefits that he brings in terms of the attacking game, in terms of getting the ball wide quickly to the wings is is what he brings, because he's a, he's probably England's best passer, sort of similar to what um, multi Yankees is for us. And then his kicking game is just brilliant. So... That's where they put New Zealand under pressure, and that's where we'll be put under pressure if we do only sort of kick from to Clark. is that they have four kickers in Ford, Farrell, Daly, and Ben Youngs to try and pin us deep in our 22. So I think more or less the same sort of um, game plan that they did on Saturday. I think the nice thing that England sort of got as a benefit is that because... Um, New Zealand started with Scott Barrett. They actually had a nice practice run of how the Springboks kind of play. They had the big blindside flank that, like we have with Peter Toy And I heard, um, I saw an interview that carried did and he said that you know when you have a taller um, flank like that, you have to just go low and you use that advantage to try to get ahead of them in the in the rucks and get the ball from them. So I think that sort of shows what um, those Kamikaze twins are going to be about on Saturday. and to try to sort of outpace and try to get to the racks first and sort of they might they might see that the South pack while it's massive and while it's physical i'm not saying any of them are unfit but they're going to try to sort of outrun them a little bit
0: yeah it's going to be interesting that just uh, judge when i come on to you for your comments on england a lot of south africans i've seen on twitter and i'm seeing it here in the live chat reckon we're going to dominate the set piece against england um i'm not so sure i rate that english lineup very highly to me Ittoje is the greatest athlete in world rugby. I'm sorry, the guy, I've always rated him incredibly highly, but I thought he played absolutely out of his skin. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're going to dominate us, but I think that, that that battle of the packs is going to be almost 50-50. Do you see any of the teams getting an edge there?
2: Uh, no, I, I definitely don't think we're going to dominate. I think uh, both sides will have their, their moments. Um, I think it's going to be an incredible showdown. Um, I don't see them not starting uh, Underhill and and, uh, and Curry. So the other option would be for England is to have Laws on on, on the side um, that offers them another line-outs uh, lineout option and they can have Cruz and Itoja start in, in the lots. Um, I think you know that's a that's a decision that they're going to make in terms of what what they want to do um, in terms of, of the line-out side of things. I think the other big question is, is are they going to have Slade at 13 or Tulagi at 13? And that's obviously a, a Ford-Farrell... To or it's going to be a feral to loggy slade option. I think um, in the beginning I was very pro to loggy um, at thirteen. I think on attack he offers way, way, way much more. I think he's he's brilliant attacker there in that channel. Um, I think defensively, uh, I've been showing a couple of things. I, I saw some stuff that Omar Munami put together, um, and he put together about how how dominant slade is at thirteen defensively. Um, forcing uh, intercepts and also how great he is on attack so um, that's a bit of a worry for me Um, I think our midfield midfield pairing at the moment are very very set and in tune with each other and they understand their games very well so we are in for a a massive battle there and I just think we've got to be very careful where we are South Africans are very much we like to have a one-off runner so none of these tip-on passes I think if you look at England, you look how quickly. They shoot up in the line. They they really have a really good line speed, and they like to double hit you. And if they if they stop us getting front football, they'll rip us apart because it'll force poor kicks, um, uh, and 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 it'll force poor kicks from nine and from ten, or it'll it'll force us to run it out wide and, and get us isolated, especially if they've got Anil and Curry playing, who are incredible jacklers. you know. So I think that's key. I think we need to make sure that we gain the advantage um they uh perhaps look at running it like a half a channel wider like england do often do um uh, that they'd like to work it there and then just get those gaps that side but i think whatever happens on saturday as what we thought with the new zealand england game i think we are in for a cracking final and i just hope that all the team both teams are settled and and comfortable and and play their game because we're going to be in for a showpiece of notes
0: excellent tyler's just stepped out for a second catch if you're the England manager Eddie Jones, what are you up to? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone can get uh, inside Eddie, Eddie Jones's head. I think it might be uh, quite quite crazy in there, uh, but at least a little bit less uh, a little bit calmer than Cheka's. That's for sure. Um, I think he's, he's it's going to be all about pace. I think uh, last week it was the whole build-up was physicality. I think he was really on it and telling his guys they need to get physical and and out, out muscle New Zealand. And they probably did, and um, obviously they know they're going to stand up and and face the box. But I don't think they're going to try and really, you know, outmuscle us. They're just going to try and try and match it. And I think their, their key to success is going to be at the pace. So they're going to try and beat us to the breakdown, with us not playing an outright feature. They're going to probably play both of theirs. So it's it's going to be all about pace then. It's going to be pace out the back. I think they still, you know, play it a little bit wider. They do use some bash up with Tuilangi and and the Bunipola's, but it's. It's done at pace and they've got those wraparounds and sinclair he comes in and he can even handle scrum off and, and little pop passes and and things like that he torture and and laws are good uh good around the park as well so to me i think they they're probably going to try and run us off off our feet a little bit not in terms of um you know expansive play but just in terms of keeping the ball alive and 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 trying to make us run around a little bit more and, and getting the big boys you know the big um Perception everywhere is that the box are this big uh, slow demon. I think that's going to be Eddie's Eddie's focus is to try and uh, you know g- catch us catch us out there. And you know I think it's a little bit unfair. I think we decently fit and and we could could uh, get around the park. But yeah, that's that's probably where I see see them trying to attack us. And the Ford one is going to be tough because I think he had a heck of a game and he probably would have been uh, keen to keen to switch him around this week. But I think he'll he'll stay there. And Ford is also a guy who likes to speed up the play and with him and Farrell there, you know, they just got got so much uh, more options, so it might be a little bit of a concern that Damien Darlene and Paul are being physical guys running at that channel and he would have been better with two playing one in, but uh, I don't I don't think he's going to go there this time around. I think he's going to stick to that combination and as I said, you know, try and do a few little passes and things like that. I think from England's point of view, they're going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, attacking pretty much like they were against New Zealand, not not as conservative as as we are going to be.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to talk about Ford. And, I mean, Eddie Jones, we spoke about on the last week's show, he spoke about changing his role, not dropping him to the bench. And I uh, saw another quite a nice trip where where, where someone said uh, he hasn't uh, knocked Hansen out of the World Cup. He's changed his role and he's got him playing for the bronze medal <laughs> position now as well. So, anyway, I'm going to enjoy that one. We won't speak too much about that one. But we'll talk about the bronze medal match in the betting show on Thursday night because, of course, it m- might be a game no one wants to play in, but there's odds and and I actually find it normally quite a nice game to to bed on so we will chat <laughs> we will chat about that one well um let's go down to uh, judge then to start us off on the, on the on the box then judge so as far as the box goes we've started our last two games with the 6-2 bench um franstein and, and 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 herschel yankee has been our two backline reserves uh, we've sort of spoken not much is probably going to change in the starting lineup does russell continue with that i mean if we saw the welsh injuries on the weekend the likes of ford going down and stuff it's a gamble going in there with a with a 6-2 bench, but it seems to be what Russi believes is our best chance of winning.
2: Yeah, um, it's funny. I actually wanted to jump straight on that as well. Um, I think we're in a very interesting space. A 6-2 bench only hurts you um, once, uh, and then you realize that it's a bad idea, and then you don't do it again. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive about it. Russi um, was very clear about why, why he, he named a 6-2. Um, especially against Japan is because he didn't feel that it was particularly to dominate them up front it was just that they are more mobile and he wants to make sure that the forward pack stays stays fresh for longer with an extra man so I understand that completely um, it's it's great it's great insights um, I think England are going to want to do that to us and that's a, an option for us again this weekend I will however say if Colby's going to be back and fit um, how fit is he and if Colby starts, are we willing to take that risk with 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 him with him possibly going down? So that that's a big thing for me. Is to is if we start Colby, is I think we'll probably have to um, do away with the six-two. I'm, I'm just a bit worried. I, I'm I'm sucking thumb here. I really don't know uh, what his injury is like and and if he will be a hundred percent fit. But um, I just think that's that's a big thing. I think if we, I think if we do. If we're going to take another bit of a gamble is then uh, maybe have Kwak on the bench because he can play in the back line if need be. Um, but I think, I don't think the bench will change too much. If we're going to do a six, two split. Um, the other option is having um, uh in as a scrum off and not Janchi's because reinach has got, uh, got the pace to play on the wing if need be. So we, there's a hell of a lot of questions and a hell of a lot of options that, that, that Rusty needs to look at. Um, I just uh, personally, I think the six, two is a little bit risky. Um, and I always think it is, um, especially now. And and I'm just a bit a bit apprehensive as to as to what we'll use with it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he goes with, uh, Tyler. Let me bring you in there. Give, give us a comment. You know, if you've got any comments on on the bench, but also talk to me about game planning. I mean, does Rossi, You've got to think that he's got to. I mean, you know, he's got to vary things and mix it up a little. bit. he's surely not going to go in with exactly the same game plan as we went against Wales.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, we played England four times last year and the games had a pretty similar pattern. Well, three out of the four. England started hard and fast. They got us under pressure. They were big on the tackles. They were big on attack. And they exposed, it was obviously um, Gorsi and Janke's first test, but they exposed them quickly with that rush defense and they got tries for Johnny May and Elliot Daly quite easily. And, I can, and then how we got back into the game was that we then just stood up for ourselves a little bit and dusted ourselves off and we pushed back hard against them and we, you know, started hitting them back and started putting them under pressure. And then I think the big weakness, the weakness that England has is that I do think that they're a bit... or They, they can tend to lose a bit of steam in the second half and they tend to lose a bit of steam also in the last 10 minutes of the half. So even in the New Zealand game, in the 30th or 40th minute... England was making a lot of mistakes and they were sort of getting hit back a little bit by Kieran Reid and by Scott Barrett. And, you know, you could see New Zealand could, were trying to sort of get back into the game, but for, they didn't, they couldn't sort of take advantage of those opportunities. So I do think that South Africa does have the ability of sort of withstanding there, but maybe last year high fault and all that sort of stuff came into play as well. So I, I think what the, the first thing that, um, we need to do is to make sure that we win those individual battles. England is almost like a carbon copy of our side in a lot of ways. Um, it's is there. It's a bit. Um, you can argue that Winnie Polo and Dwayne Femino, are quite similar. You can argue that, um, you know, like someone like Jamie George is, is sort of almost a mix of Marx and Bonambi as well. So we need to win those individual battles. We need to sort of try to smash them back. And I do think basically very cliche, very nice no but whoever wins the game line is going to win this test match. So, I, I mean, I, I saw some of the comments saying maybe we should try to start with our fetches, start with people like Marks and Flo. I don't think that's going to actually make much of a difference. We just need to be able to clean them out. I don't think sort of trying to go fetcher for fetcher is going to be the, the game plan for that. I think Rossi has the right formula of you know, bringing on those people in the second half when people aren't getting to the racks as quickly as possible, then trying to force penalties like that instead of you know, um, trying to sort of get penalties early because Reswell will be a bit reluctant to maybe blow those penalties at the start even. So same sort of game plan. We just need to execute. (laughs) I think that's what we're all waiting for. I think the Springboks have been sort of coasting on 70, 80% of performance. And it will be great if they can sort of bring out their best performance in this game. And this is is a game where they need to have probably the best performance of the last two years. And then just quickly on the 6-2, I agree with you fully, Judge. I'm also a team, have three backline players in your bench, but I did see how it worked with the Wales game. Um, I, I must admit that's when I saw, okay, there is a lot of benefit in bringing on a new type five, because that's, I think, where we got the edge on Wales. And I do think we have better forwards to call on than England does on, on, on our bench. So maybe that is just a little argument for it, but I would also, especially with Kobe and him maybe not being 100% fit if he plays, I would probably lean towards five three but a six two also works for that reason
0: just to mention to the guys watching and whether you're watching the show live or you're watching the recorded version those are the twitter handles of the guys unfortunately judge rugby is uh, still uh trying to get his Twitter handle going again after, after getting a ban that I don't even think he knows much about. But that's the, the story with it. But you've got Couch Critic, H. Demont, and then uh, LB was just saying he's enjoying Tyler's analysis. I said if you enjoy him on the show, you've got to follow him on Twitter because he's absolutely top class on Twitter with his analysis as well. So give the guys a, a follow there on Twitter. Couch, I don't think I've asked you then about the South African game plan. Urassi Erasmus, what have you got in store for Eddie Jones? It's going to
1: give him some sleepless nights. Find find the top of the stand and get your traffic lights going. That'll that'll be my plan <laughs> if I was uh, Rasi Erasmus for this one. No, uh, listen on the on the sixty. I have to say, I think I think Rasi is very smart in terms of the it, it works perfectly for us. It works perfectly in in terms of the way we we want to play and and rejuvenate our back and and keep going. But uh, as the guy said, you know the only concern if that is you are taking you taking a risk in terms of the backs and also not only a risk, what what I feel is. You know you can't make a tactical substitution in your back line as easily as you would uh, normally because you know that that's what we saw in in or oh, what was it the New Zealand game is you can't just bring on uh, everyone off the bench and then he's got no one if he's got an uh, injury so it's almost like Herschel uh, Yankees isn't playing as that impact player anymore he's just playing as a as an injury substitute so that's that's the the issue there and and again to me the the real problem is the the Vali Le uh, question again and. You know, I think this, this past weekend he almost wanted to to get him off and, and get Franz Stein on and it, and it actually didn't look too bad for those uh, few minutes he was on. So if he wants to do that earlier, then surely you've got to consider having having that extra guy on the bench that you can make a move of, of Franz Stein after 60 minutes and, and still know that you've got two guys there for if, if something else goes wrong. So to me, it, it just means that tactically, you know, you can't make any changes in your backline, And that's basically what Rossi has said, you know, with his decisions is that he's... Fully comfortable with that back line and and he just hopes he doesn't get I- injuries, and and he plays them for seventy minutes, and, and rather makes the tactics um, up front, which is which is fair fair enough, and and it's worked for him. But in terms of uh, strategy, it's going to be nothing really new. It's going to be ninety five percent, ninety eight percent, same thing from the box as the guy said. It's just better execution. They're going to out physical and and just get in their faces, and you know it's going to be a lot of. Uh, Headbutting your head against the locker room before going out and doing that whole Argentinian thing. I think uh, everyone's going to be chirping everyone's mom and, and really getting them psyched up, getting giving all the Yemen a slap and, and really just getting stuck in there. That's the only it's got to be almost like that all call. You know, everyone just go boss. That's going to be it for the box. Get in there, get it irritated, get him off his game you know, when he comes up, you know, he's just going to be pulling everyone's head gear over their eyes and he's just going to be back slapping them and saying, well done for that penalty and and that kind of thing. And it's just crucial for the box to, you know, keep their composure whilst doing that. That's the really, really difficult thing in terms of our game when we really try and get that mongrel on and and getting their faces and and tackle them back and and get on there is, is to just keep it in the law. So that's going to be important for them and... Yeah, after that, uh, you know, we just need one up and under, under the sticks going down and, and puff clearing it and, and scoring under the post and it's uh, it's game over. So to me, I, I still think England are, are solid favourites in the box, need uh, a little bit of luck and they need to execute, you know, spot on on the day to to try and try and have a chance. But, uh, you know, they're in it, they've got a ticket tick to the dance and let's see whether they can shuffle.
0: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, Tyler alluded to it as well. I think everyone feels that the box for the box to win, they really just have to be 100% execution. They've got to they've got to execute to the best of their ability. Guys, of course, I'm not going to leave the show without um, asking you guys for a prediction on the final. But let me share a little bit of my view. I see Judge, he hates those predictions. I, naturally, I do expect you guys to go for the box. I've been amazed. Okay, so guys, uh, you know, just to look at it from a, an angle, I looked at this game. I thought England would be a good eight-point favourites for this game with the bookmakers. My view was, look, first of all, that performance against New Zealand was something out of this world. It was superb. We do know that it's often hard to follow up one performance like that with another. I mean, you only have to look at golf. Guy shoots a 62 in the one round and he more than often than not comes out and shoots a 72 in the next round. It may be difficult for them. South Africa have got a different style. But I'll tell you what my worry is about South Africa. We're a far better side than we were two years ago. Make no mistake, Rossi Erasmus has done a great job. But if I look at in this World Cup, what have we really done? We've lost to New Zealand. We've beaten Japan and we've beaten the Wales side. And I guess this is where people might differ with me. But I say we've beaten the Wales side that we're really there for the taking. You know, if I watched Wales against France, if it wasn't for a reckless elbow by the, the French lock. I think France would have put Wales to bed. I just feel that Wales, like Ireland, had probably peaked a bit early for this World Cup. They've been hit by injuries. So I do make England firm favourites. It's not to say I'm not giving South Africa a chance here. But I'll start off with my prediction here. I'm going England by fifteen points to win this one. And uh <laughs> Judge, I see you hanging your jaw there. What have you got to say to that?
2: You don't want to hear what I have to say to that, actually. <laughs> yes. Sir. Um so listen, I get what you're saying about England. I do. Um I think I think they are their form side by by mile. I think they are yet to. I've just kind of stepped into third gear. Um, no one's put them under pressure, and the only side that in the world that will put them under pressure, they they properly put to bed. So I think they are the form side. I think the pressure is on them. I think they are favourites. I think it's a World Cup final. I think um, to be honest, England m- might have expected to probably get a look in. I don't think we expected to be there. So I reckon, I reckon, like we we really think this is like an added bonus, like to really just change things up and and, and make some unbelievable history, you know. So, I think um, I think there's going to be like five or so points in it. I just hope we stay longer in the game. Um, we can't let England get on top of us. They won't let us back in. So it' all going to go up to the first first twenty minutes, half an hour, and and we just make sure that we don't uh, we don't crumble. Um, because uh, I think we've got what it takes to to mentally get back in the mix, but I don't think England will actually physically score too many uh, too many points afterwards if they've got a good a good strong lead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say box um, box by five. I think uh, yeah I can't ever bet against my side. It goes against everything I know, but I, I will say one thing: England. This England side, we haven't seen in uh, England. We haven't seen this England side yet. We, they came to the World Cup and they started playing in the World Cup. They weren't playing before the World Cup, so they haven't seen us and we haven't seen them. So it's uh, all to play for.
0: Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. I mean, as I said this is one of these situations. Look, you know, if you bet on someone at the start of the World Cup, there's a good chance they're going to meet your your side at some stage. So I backed England. I had to know in the back of my mind that we could meet South Africa, but the fact is, I put my money down on England. And I'm at that point now. And I can honestly say it's been a successful World Cup for me, betting-wise. I've got some nice bets that will be arriving in terms of I predicted a very low-scoring World Cup. So the pressure's not that great. I have a nice win if England win. Obviously, I would like that. But it honestly is one of those times if if I don't win my bets, well, you know, I'll, ha- I'll just be happy for the country that we <laughs> we won the World Cup. But it is hard at the end of the day when you've been calling England all the way through to suddenly uh, change tune as well. And uh, Tyler, let's, let, let's bring you in there and get your prediction and uh, –
3: how far out do you think my, my England by 15 is going to be? Yo, um, great. I <laughs> so that one. Yo. Um, look, I was thinking about it today um, just in sort of pre- preparing sort of my thoughts for the show is, I mean, in my memory, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit younger than everyone else, but in my memory, I think the only time where an underdog is won the World Cup final was 1995. Yes. Um, Maybe 2003. I think you can maybe argue that England playing at Australia might have been a bit of an underdog situation, but they were the best team in the world. So it usually favors that the team on form, the, the, the more established team, is the one that wins. Second thing is very quickly that I think this is one of those games where I think both teams, I don't, I'm not so sold on them chasing the game. I'm not so sold on them chasing a 10 point lead. Um, In the last 20 minutes, just because both teams are a little bit sort of, um, they're they're sort of the Jose Mourinho football team. They want to score the early goals and park the bus. So I think the team that can get a 10-point lead first might be the one that wins the game. Um, So be it England trying to get a fast start, be it South Africa maybe trying to sort of um, throw caution to the wind early and try to get a few quick tries. I think That might be the way to sort of win this game. But I'm going to go England by three. I think it's going to be a fast start from England, a few drop goals. We might then score a try and get ahead maybe at halftime, but a few points. England then sort of catches us early in the second half, gets a 10-point lead. We score one maybe in the last 10 minutes, and then we just aren't able to do enough to get over the line. So I'm going to go England by three. But i think it's gonna be a good game i don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game but i can see a let's say let's say 21 18 type of scoreline.
0: yeah that's sort of uh that's sort of what you're expecting in in, in the world cup welcome to campo i haven't seen him before one of the shows he's he reckons eddie jones uh, could possibly be the, the difference in this game um, yeah interesting just to mention i write an article for the citizen a blog once a week and I've been thinking about what to write this week, and I think I'm going to be writing about wallet first heart and whether or not I'll be watching the game home alone in my lounge because Chris McGowan made the comment there earlier. He says, am I going to go into isolation? Because I think the last thing I want to be is standing in a pub somewhere with uh, 50 Sprintbox supporters. And suddenly go ballistic when England score a try. <laughs> so I think I'll, I think I might be watching this one home alone and, and, and just just uh, yeah take it from there. But that's going to be my article this week. Catch! I haven't got your prediction yet. I don't think
1: yeah Brent, it's it's a game for the quiet fist pump, eh? you you're gonna be there in a, in a box jersey, but doing the quiet fist pump under the table when uh, no one's looking. So that's in in punting terms. that's when you really realize uh, how much money is uh, worth something for you. you. know when when the wallet starts talking louder than the heart, you know you've you've put down a decent sized punt there. Um, but I'm gonna be in the same uh, same boat. I mean, I'm uh, everyone at works knows me as a, as a big rugby guy, so it's box jerseys this whole week, and then, uh, come Saturday, I'm going to be shouting England home. So it's going to be a bit a bit strange for me, but I think um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm with you on this one, it's 19, 19 to England, uh, nine to the box. I think uh, England will, will pretty much get the, get the job done. I think uh, Tala saying that the, the team that builds up a 10-point lead is going to win the game isn't the bravest call I've, um, I've ever heard. I think uh, you've got a pretty decent chance to win the game if you get 10 points ahead in the, in the final. But uh, no, I think I think the team that there's only one team that can get ten points ahead in this game, and and that's going to be England. And I, I think um, let's just say you know I'm I'm on England, and I'm not taking cover on the box. Uh, I'm with you, Brent. If if the Springboks do win, it's going to be great. I was uh, on the airport on 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 Sunday, and there were so many people in green and gold. I mean, the majority of them wouldn't have been able to watch the game, and I watched the first half and then I had to get on the plane, and I was there. Was some some guys who were on the golf tour apparently, so they had more more alcohol in their bloodstream than blood and, and not a lot of sleep. But as we were taxiing out, they were still doing the, the the cell phone score and the poor steward guy had to ask him like five times to switch off. And the only problem for me was that it was 16-all uh, as we as we got in the air there and we waited for the captain to give us the final score. But, you know, it was just so nice to see everyone united and everyone worried about the score and everyone celebrating when we heard the uh, – we, we threw so it's you know it would be great i, I honestly would love to hear that the, the the box win win the game and i'd shout them home you know 100 percent but uh i wouldn't mind counting the money afterwards either
0: <laughs> okay excellent so couch and i in a similar position there it's going to be wallet against heart guys anything else you want to add on the finals is this one topic we just want to a quick chat about which is the i'll be play of the year but anything else you want to you want to add on the final nothing else there nothing from judge nothing from couch Tala, let me bring you in if you want to add anything. Yeah, um,
1: uh, Brent, I think poor uh, Sean is, is is stunned. You can just see he can't <laughs> believe that uh, that we've gone against the box. He's, he's speechless. He's
0: speechless. <laughs> and Tala, I know you wanted to just talk about the player of the year. I haven't actually looked at all. they got all the nominees and that, obviously. Out. No, I don't
3: think so. I don't think I think it's coming out during the week. I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, I heard somewhere. But I think it's probably gonna be just like it was in 2015, sort of whoever's the winning team will probably produce the player of the year because they sort of are a bit sort of world um world cup dominant in their analysis. So I think basically the big options for England will probably be Torje, Curry, Underhill, and Owen Farrell. And then if it's the Springboks, um, rising from the ashes, Damien Dialendi, turning public opinion person by person every game, and maybe someone like Peter Stef to Toy and, and obviously Cheslin Colby as well. So maybe it might be a case of whoever's man of the match. Um, I said on Twitter, my money's on Torje, but um, I can see maybe even Cheslin, if he um, is the sort of the magic man, the difference that in that in the final, he could sort of steal it. Because it's going to be awarded, I think, on the Sunday. So I think it's going to be probably be whoever's the man of the match in the final will probably get that um, award on Sunday.
0: Okay. Yes. Are we talking a, a play of the tournament? Are we talking uh, the the, the player play of the year? year?
3: Play, play of the
0: year. year. Okay. But but as you say, they've being in a World Cup year, it's obviously going to have a big bearing in, in terms of that. I'll, I'll just pop to the other guys quickly and see if they got any opinion. Couch. Um,
1: Oh, Brent, there's only one guy that's winning a player of the year this year, and that's none other than Peter Steff the toy. He's he's the man, he's in a different league as a as a as a loose forward. He's playing in a team that's probably not technically the best side, but he just lifts them with, with his presence and, and the way he plays. You know, there are obviously quite a few candidates for England, and if England win the tournament, they're gonna be pushing it. But you know, the box also won the rugby championships and, and to me, you know, he's he's a standout performer and, and he's the guy to to take take the award for me.
0: Right, and Judge, uh, anything from you on the player of the year? Any thoughts?
2: I think um, it's between uh, Peter to Toy Owen Farrell, and I think maybe and Colby might have a little bit of a shot. I think Artie Sevier will get a, a mention as well. But I think uh, between Owen Farrell and Peter toy front runners for me, without a shadow of a doubt, I, I do know that obviously the World Cup showing is is, is a massive uh, massive influence. I think... If it was on that alone, I think uh, Damien Damien would get a look in. I think he's been incredible in the World Cup. I think Makazole um, uh, Mapimpi as well has been really good. Uh, Johnny May, you know. So if you like it, all both sides have got some really some really good players. But I think Owen Farrell and Peter Sefa toy are, are streets ahead.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to be on, uh, but I do like uh, Toji as well as, as having a good chance. So it'll be interesting to watch. And maybe we'll touch on that on our Thursday night show if we can. If we do see some betting on that, it'll be interesting to see what the bookmakers fancy. But guys, it brings us to the end of a marathon show. I mean, to think we're really only talking about one game, and quite often we've sat and talked about seven games and had less. But but it just shows the excitement around this World Cup. Everything's boiling up. I, I had to sort of remind myself that it was Monday night when I was chatting with guys on Twitter. We've still got. A long time to go until we, until we get to this World Cup. And, and it's just going to continue building there. So, Judge, first of all, thanks to you for joining us. Uh, sorry about that England prediction. I could see that, that threw you right of course. But, uh, yeah, I, I've got no doubt you'll be shouting those box home. And, and, and for
2: your sake, I hope they arrive. 100%. Thanks so much. Again, I had to just double-check your area codes on both of you two on the top there when you made your calls. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that.
0: It's certainly something that happens to you when you bet for many years. You become very, very hardened to it, and as much as you still support the country, you, you tend to get governed by stats and this and that and, and whatever you feel. But uh, so that's why my advice to you, if you're not involved in betting yet, then don't start. You'll never be faced with the dilemma that I have. Tyler, great having you on the show. Look forward to following you um, on Twitter over the coming days. If your activity today is anything to go by, I think it's going to be a busy week for you in the Twitter sphere. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think I'm, re- I'm going to definitely put the Twitter away for the rest of the year after the World Cup final. Um, just, yeah, there won't be anything really to talk about. I'll maybe jump on maybe when the, the cricket test series starts when England comes over. But guys, if England wins this World Cup, they would have won the Cricket World Cup, the Rugby World Cup. Liverpool might win the Club World Cup. Um, Lewis Hamilton is dominating Formula One. We really have to stop this. We're actually the last hope for... For the world, basically, in terms of making England dominant in each and every sport, so yeah, I think the world is sort of backing us for to to get this win.
0: I agree with Tyler there, Karch. I think there's no doubt about it. The rest of the world is really pulling for pulling for us to beat England.
1: Brent, uh, everyone except me there because uh, I've got that uh, cricket and and rugby double. So obviously, it's it's good news for me if they if they go and produce that. So that would be. That would be great, but uh, no, it was nice being here again, Brent. And thanks for everyone for the comments. It was uh, nice seeing them having a chat as well. And obviously, uh, everyone is super excited uh, for for this coming weekend. And yeah, you know, it's just great seeing seeing the box in the final. And lastly, also, I think it's it's great seeing a, a north south game in in the final. You know, we see the All Blacks in the box, you know, three times a year basically, and you see them in Super Rugby and everything. So it's it's really nice seeing seeing two, two hemispheres uh, against each other and, and it's gonna be a cracker. It certainly is. And
0: thanks to all the guys in the live chat. It really was good you. We had a few guys watching on Facebook as well. I think that's gonna start growing over the, uh, over the weeks as well. Although we all might also uh, probably slow down the show a little bit as we come towards the end of the year and pick it up again, coming into Super Rugby. But thanks everyone in the live chat. Thanks to all the guests. Remember, if you are interested in the betting angle, then Thursday night, nine o'clock is the handicap rugby chat that matters. Enjoy your week, everyone, and let's build up to a great World Cup final. Cheers, guys.